0: And so let's just open up our Bibles today, and uh, I want you to hear what the Lord has to say for us, and, and for you fathers, you need to hear this as well. I know sometimes we, uh, you think, where, well, if he's talking to fathers, I need to just switch off. He's not talking to me. But the truth is, there's nothing in this scripture that's not applicable to you in some way. There's nothing in this scripture that is not life-giving to you in some way. And so what I encourage you to do is to find the life, find the hope, find, the, find the, uh, uh, the revelation that he's speaking to us today. Before we get fully into the word, we do want to uh, give Levi and Anita uh, their opportunity to dedicate this baby, Aubrianna, to the Lord. And I'll just tell you a little bit about what that is. Some of you might not be familiar with this. Some of you might have grown up in a tradition where babies are baptized or christened, but you know... We're having a baptism service on uh, uh, June 29th, and I've told the baptism, uh, the people that are about to be baptized. Uh, what I read in the scripture is what Philip said to the Ethiopian, here's your qualification. If you believe with all your heart, you may, is what he said. The man said, May I be baptized? He said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. Little is here today, and she doesn't believe with all her heart. Now, don't condemn her for that. She doesn't know yet. Today, she can't make a decision for herself. So this is not a day where she's going to get saved. This is not a day where she's giving her life to Jesus because she doesn't know how to do that yet. She's just, she's just a baby. But this is a time where her parents are dedicating and committing to the Lord that they're going to raise her in the ways of, of, of the word and the ways of the Lord. That the, As the scripture says, train up a child in the way they should go. When they're old, even when they're old, they won't depart from it. You know, in in the Old Testament, there was uh, not only just a tradition, but actually a command of God that every firstborn was to be dedicated to the Lord. And so, you know, you have great stories like Samuel where Hannah wept at the altar and said, Lord, she couldn't have a baby. She said, Lord, give me a baby. If you do, I'll dedicate him to you. And from that prayer came Samuel, the great prophet that shaped the history of Israel. Jesus was on his way as a baby to be dedicated to the Lord at the temple when he ran into Simeon and Simeon prophesied over him and Anna uh, saw him and prophesied. And so these were all uh, important times in in these babies' life. But baby Samuel didn't know he was being dedicated to the Lord. Baby Jesus didn't know. This was about their parents committing that this is yours. And you know, uh, we don't just, here our group, we don't just believe that you dedicate the firstborn. We believe we dedicate them all to the Lord. And uh, really, today is about the parent. As much as we love little Aubrianna, it is about Levi and Anita today because this is about their decision to say we are going to follow the Lord with all our hearts. As we follow the Lord with all our hearts, our kids are going to follow us. That's the truth of the matter. And there'll be a day. There'll be a day when these little ones have to make their own decision and you can't make it for them. And you could do everything right, and they still have to make it a decision. You know, there's nothing wrong with Jesus' teaching, and yet Judas chose to go the other way. God was the perfect father, and yet Adam and Eve sinned. You can't always say, well, it's my fault. I must have done something wrong. People make their choices, but you can set them up. for success. You can build a foundation. You know, the apostle Paul said to Timothy, he said, your grandmother and your mother put something in you What they taught you, the wisdom that was imparted to you through them and the sincere faith that they had has led to a wisdom which has led to salvation. There was a foundation laid by those two women in Timothy's life that led him to a place where he could actually come to Jesus because they had laid a foundation. That's our goal today. Our goal today isn't to say, well, wham, bam, you're going to heaven. Because someday, Aubrianna's gonna have to make that decision for herself, whether she'll choose Jesus. I believe she will. Because I believe she's got a wonderful family around her. Not just the immediate family or the extended family, but the family of God. Isn't it wonderful that we get to see these kids grow up? We get to see them grow up before our eyes. We get to see them serve the Lord. We get to see them step out and be brave and do courageous things for him. That's amazing to me. So We're gonna do this today, and, and uh, we're gonna just read from the scripture as, uh, as we get ready to um, honor uh, Levi and Anita's decision today and their commitment, they're going to make it in front of all of you because just like at a wedding, you know, witnesses aren't just there to get free food. They're not just there for pictures. Witnesses are there to say, I saw you make those vows. I heard you make that covenant to each other and to God, and I'm going to help you do that. You know, we are the family of God. There's going to be a time where we need to step up for one another. Consistently, we need to step up for one another. And, uh, you know, I believe that nobody can replace the, the influence of Levi and Anita, but we sure can be a support to them, and we can be a blessing to their family. Levi and Anita, would you come right now? We're going to um, give you an opportunity to dedicate little Aubrianna to the Lord, and, and we're so excited for this. Isn't she, oh man, she's just a cutie. <laughs> Look at this. I said to Levi um, a few weeks ago, we were riding to Loon Lake, Levi was just being typical Levi and doing everything that needed to be done. <laughs> One Sunday, he carried the stuff in from the van, and then he changed light bulbs, and he went back and, and did the job of an usher, and then he, you know, our regular projectionist wasn't there, so he did projection, then he had offering envelopes, it was, it was amazing, but you know, little Aubrianna changes every week. And I said to him, I said, how in the world are you ever going to say no to this kid? You know, yeah. How are you ever going to do that? Uh, but I believe that he's going to be a good father and Anita's a good mother. And I believe what well, you already are. And so today is their time to dedicate this little one to the Lord. We're going to, uh, yeah, she's excited about it. I want to read you uh, something from the scripture as, as we uh, prepare to hear what they have to say, I'm gonna read you what the scripture says about children and uh, the fact that they are a gift. You know, we, uh, we don't always feel that they're a gift. Uh, some days they feel like a job, but they are a gift. And the scripture says, Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. A blessed is the one whose quiver is full of them, They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate. You know, an arrow, you don't just shoot in the air and hope it finds its target. You don't close your eyes and say, arrow, go wherever you want to go. Arrows are aimed. Ultimately, God is the one that's going to determine where she goes in life. You know, I used to believe that you should say to every kid, you can be whatever you want to be. But I've amended that. Now I believe. This is what I say to my little guy. You can be whatever God wants. Because if we train them to seek God's will for their life, there's nothing they can't Amen? So would you guys just uh, stand in front of these people, and I want to give you a microphone to to make this confession of faith. Is there anything you want to say uh, off the top of your head and off the top of your heart?
1: God is absolutely amazing. Um, There was a time probably... I was going to say 10 years ago, but it wasn't even that long ago, about even six years ago. (sighs) That I didn't even know if this dream was going to come true. And this truly was a dream. And it has been an absolute desire of my heart to be standing. I didn't even know about standing in front of everybody, but just to have a family and have a husband and have a child. And it it's come true. God is absolutely awesome. And whatever dreams he's put inside your hearts, whether it's children, whether it's going somewhere to preach his word, whether it's, it's, um, whatever it is, like Jonathan said, whatever God calls you to do, whatever God wants you to do, he'll put that desire in your heart and he'll set you on that path. And if you're faithful to do things his way, and follow what he says for you to do. Don't try and do it on your own. <laughs> Don't try and do it in your own timing. But do it his way. The results are amazing. And this beautiful blessing is one of those results. Amen. Yeah. Thank you.
0: Amen. God is good. I'm going to ask you guys to face me. And we're going to um, make a confession of faith in front of our friends and in front of our family. That as long as you are in Aubrey as long as you live, you're going to raise her up in the ways of the Lord, that you're going to train her in the way that she go. The truth of the matter is, you're not always going to know what that is. Until the but we believe that God is going to lead you and he's going to anoint you for that task. God never gives you any task in front of you that he's not going to equip you. So I'm going to ask Levi and Anita um, to say these words with me, but I want you to guys to know you're here as witnesses. I'm honored that the grandparents are here today. We welcome you um, on both sides, and, and uh, family as well, siblings, thank you for coming. Uh, we want to take this moment um, to honor them as well, but to know that we're all part of this family, and we are so thankful that God brought Aubrietta in our life. Thankful for Anita and Levi. So let's pray right now, and I want you guys to, to pray this with me, I want you to mean it with all your heart. Father God, we give our daughter to you. We commit this day to raise her as you want us to raise her. Be godly parent. To be forgiving. Tender hearted. Full of love. And to follow you with all of our heart. Help us to be brave. Help us to be wise. Give us the strength that only comes from you to raise Abreen. Our hope, our faith, trust. Lord, I thank you for this young one. Thank you for abrienne Mommy's right here. I thank you. You hold her and I will pray with you. Because some weird guy at the front. Yeah. Why would you take me from mom? I thank you for baby Aubrianna. Lord, I thank you that you called her from a young age. You knew her before she was ever born. Lord, I pray and speak your blessing on her. That from a young age, she would know you. That just as, oh, we can hear her wonderful lungs right now. But with those same lungs, she'll praise you. With those same lungs, she'll speak your truth. She'll declare your wonders to the nations. We bless her and ask, Lord, that your hand would be on her. That she would know you from a young age. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, yeah. God bless you guys. We love you. Love you, baby. You guys (laughs) are Nothing wrong with a baby making some noise in church. I believe Jesus made noise as a baby too. And uh, so we're so thankful for her and thankful for them. Take some time and congratulate them today. Uh, as we, we go for a barbecue after and everything, we're so thankful that they're part of us and we're part of their family. You know, it's a, I don't take it lightly that, that we invite each other into, each, into our family. It's a big deal. We are the family of God. You know, if we're gonna go around calling God our father, then we have to fill out the rest of that contract. We're all gonna say God is our father. Yeah, you have a father in heaven. Then if you're gonna say to somebody, you have a father in heaven, you gotta be willing to be a brother and a sister to them. We can't say, ah, you have a father, I have a father, uh, but we have separate visitation day. Like, we have to, we're part of the family. And I said this the other day, but family almost implies a sense of ownership, not, not in a dominating way, but we give ourselves to one another. You know, when I got married, I gave myself to my wife. When we had a son, we give ourselves to that, that child, and, and uh, when we call each other family, we're giving ourselves to one another. We're laying our lives down. I want you to open your Bibles right to the book of Psalms again. We're going to read something there. And I've read from Psalm 78 many times through the years as we've dedicated children, as um, we've talked about fathers. You know, I had a good dad. He was a blessing in my life, and, and uh, I, didn't, I didn't get to have him for as long as I wanted to have him. You know, I, uh, I wish he had met my son. I wish he could be here today. But the truth is, I did get a lot, we squeezed a lot of juice out of that fruit. We did get a lot of good years. And I'm thankful for that. You don't know how long you've got with your kids. You don't know how long you have with your parents. Make the most of what you've got right now. I had. I, I, I thank God that I look back and I don't have any regrets about my relationship with my dad. It, was, uh, it wasn't perfect. You know, I'm not perfect. Dad wasn't perfect. But I look back and I knew that he loved me and I knew he knew I loved him. And that matters. So I encourage all of you that still got your dad, take advantage of that. Know that they are a blessing even if they don't feel like a blessing. Give them a call today even if they, all they do is just uh, you know, complain to you about how your life didn't turn out like they wanted it to turn out. I don't know if any of you have dads like that. I didn't have a dad like that but maybe you have a dad that's just annoying to talk to. Love and honor that father no matter what he's like because uh, you know God told us to honor our father and mother. He didn't say... Uh, honor your your perfect fathers and mothers. He didn't say, honor your father and mother that do everything right. Honor your father and mother, the Lord. And so we we encourage you not only to uh, take some time to phone them today, but live that out. You know, I was just talking with somebody a couple days ago, we were just talking about how Jesus, when he said, honor your father and mother, he talked to the Pharisees about that and he called them out because the Pharisees um, had been... Keeping money that they were supposed to be helping their parents with. And they were using that money and they were saying, well, it's dedicated to the Lord. And Jesus said, You guys say you keep the commandments, but one of the big commandments is honor your father and mother. And you're keeping money that should be used to be helping your parents. And you're saying it's dedicated to the Lord, but you're not even taking care of your own parents. And so that was a tough scripture for me because what it meant to me was. Is that honor is more than just being nice to them at family reunions. It 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 requires more of us. It requires of us, just like everything that Jesus requires of us, laying our lives down and uh really giving of ourselves. And so I want to I want you to turn into Psalm 78. And like I said, I know I've talked about this before, but this is so rich. And um I look at this not only as a good scripture, I look at this as a command for my life. Asaph wrote this, and uh, we don't know a lot about Asaph, but we do know he's one of the main psalmists. And when he wrote this, um, it has this deep quality to it. It has something about it that this particular psalm, uh, not only, it starts out with instruction, but then it almost lays out the history of Israel. And in Psalm 78, he says, listen, O my people, to my instruction. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old. Now, you might be getting creeped out by this so far. I will utter dark sayings. It sounds almost not biblical. It almost sounds sorceress, you know, but, but that's not what it is at all. When that, that Hebrew word for dark sayings, typically means like something, almost like a, 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 something that's very difficult to understand, something that needs to be explained, something that's, that's hidden beneath the surface. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you something that you're gonna have to incline your ear to hear it, but it's something you haven't understood before, he says. He says, I will utter dark sayings of old, which we've heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not conceal them from their children, but we will tell to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wondrous works that he has done. I've said this before, but I'll say it again. He says very clearly in this verse that for us not to tell the next generation about his strength and his wondrous works and his mighty deeds that he's done, for us not to tell them is hiding it from them. You know, some of you dads already think you talk too much. Think nobody wants to hear your stories. Certainly nobody wants to hear your joke, right? And I know I've been practicing my dad jokes since I was a teenager, so I'm ready. <laughs> my dad had a shirt. He and Tracy Harris bought shirts together. And it says, help, I'm talking and I can't shut up. I laughed. I laugh when somebody says, we didn't get out till we didn't get out of church till like twelve fifteen. It went late. You guys, you haven't grown up in the trenches. You don't know what it was like. There are times you look, oh, it's two o'clock. Time to go. But I was thankful that my dad told me what God had done, not only in throughout history, but in his own life. You know, my mom and dad got born again in the Jesus movement. They were, you know, my dad was a long, shaggy-haired preacher that his first church was a bunch of hippies that got saved. And, and the stories he'd tell about what happened in that time was just amazing, things that God did. It struck me, the faithfulness of God as he went up north, and, and eventually my mom did as well, to minister in the northern reserves and, and the miracles they saw. These things shaped me as I was a young man. He said, we won't conceal them. And you might think, nobody wants to hear what I have to say. Or you might think, well, it's the pastor's job or the youth leader's job or the kids, the children's minister's job to tell them about God. We play a role, but we don't replace you. I mean, if you've got kids of your own, you are the primary person in their life to show them who God is. Not just to tell them, but to show them. There's a reason that God picked human relationships to describe his relationship with us. He didn't have to describe himself as a father. He could have made up a whole new relationship. But he chose to use a human relationship we could understand. And so we as as godly fathers and and you as godly mothers, we need to hear what God has to say, and we we need to not only tell our children, but we need to demonstrate to them what it's like to be loved by a good father and a good mother, what it's like to be disciplined, what it's like to be raised up. And so he says, we won't conceal them from their children. For us to stay silent about what God has done and who he is, he's hiding something from them. I don't care what they say about, you've already told that story before. You know how many times I heard the same story? I mean, I heard the same story Not only at home, but then I come to church and hear the stories told again. Some of you know those stories better than I do. I know these stories well. I know that every time my dad would tell the story of the uh, demon-possessed man and and when Jesus, uh, you know, in in the Bible, when Jesus cast the evil spirits out and they went into the pigs, I know that the joke that will always come after that is, that was the first time there was deviled ham. I know that story. But because of that, it's ingrained in. Me. What are we hiding from the next generation? They're surrounded by advertisement all day. They're surrounded by a worldly system. If your kids are going to school, they are surrounded by people telling them something often contrary to what God's. What are you hiding from? You may have never have thought you were hiding You might just say, Well, I'm not a big talker. I I I don't, I don't want to push into their lives. Well, somebody's got to open their mouth. He said, we're, we're repeating what our fathers told us. We won't conceal these things from their children, but we will tell to the generation to come. What are we telling them? The praises of the Lord, his strength, and his wondrous works that he has done. You've got to tell the stories. Not only in the stories from the scripture, but the stories of your own, uh, your own witnessing of what God's done in your life. You are a living epistle. You are a living monument to what God has done. I mean, there's a reason that the world was changed when when those disciples who were so fearful, they had locked themselves away in Jerusalem. When they saw the risen Christ, there's a reason they were willing to be tortured for it. There's a reason they went to their death for it because no matter what people told them, no matter what arguments they might've had, they knew they saw something. And no matter what archaeological evidence we have, no matter what historical evidence we have, there's no greater proof of the resurrection than you. The greatest proof of the resurrection in, in, in the book of Acts was the disciple. was these people that saw him and demonstrated him. And now we are the proof of the resurrection. We're the proof that Jesus is alive. And, and, and if, who needs that proof first other than your kids, your kids? They need to see it. You know, I knew... I mean, you, you can't imagine what it was like to sit on the front row and, and have your dad be the one preaching to you because there's already this, you know, for many kids that was hard to deal with because, you know, maybe their dad was, uh, had a, a, was sort of a character on stage and someone different at home. My dad was who he seemed to be. And I want to be that kind of father to my son, and we should all be that way we're not putting a spiritual face on when we come to church or when we're with Christians or whatever. We've got to be the same person because we are the, the, the proof to them that there is a God. Now, we're not the only proof. We're not the only evidence. I mean, thank God, many of you didn't have godly parents, and here you are. Many of you had parents that really messed up, and here you are. So you're, not your, you're, not the, you're not your kid's salvation. There's only one Savior, and it's not us. But you can be a a part of God's plan and God's, God's weaving his story throughout their life. Now, he goes on and says this. For he has established a testimony in Jacob. In other words, in Israel. How did God establish a testimony in Israel? He established a testimony in Israel by having each generation declare to the next generation. That's how that testimony was established. That's how that nation was, he said he has established a testimony in Jacob. He has appointed a law in Israel. That word for law is the word Torah. This is instruction. He has shown them the way that they should go. And it was up to that generation before to, to pass it on to the next one, which he commanded their, our fathers that they should teach them to their children. Isn't that funny? How many times do people push off the training of their children onto the teachers at school. Thank God for teachers at school. We've got teachers here today. Thank God for you. But your teachers are not parents. They're teachers. They're not there to raise your kids. They're there to help, but they're they're there to educate, but not to raise your children. And the primary place of education is the home. In the same way, we have great kids ministry. I'm thankful for it. From, from the time that they're taking care of as babies, to even when they're toddlers and they start learning these Bible stories and these, these songs and these prayers, and to, to when they get older and they get into to be, be with the, the bigger kids in children's ministry, those teachers are great, and I thank God for them, but they don't replace you. They shouldn't. He commanded our fathers that they should teach them to their children. Mothers, this is for you too. Many times fathers think that they need to be quiet. Maybe, maybe you're a father today, and you say, well, my wife is really the, the more spiritual. Well, that's silly, isn't it? We should both be spiritual. We both should be teaching our kids something they learn from one that they don't learn from the other. It's important that they get both. You know, I think about the fact that when God created man and woman, that he created them in his own image. Man and woman created them. So man and woman were both created in the image of God. Everything that's in a man and everything that's in a woman came from God. There are aspects to God that are in both of us and together we show different aspects and different sides. So fathers and mothers, even forget the gender issue, fathers and mothers, you're two different people and two different people show two different sides and two different angles on something glorious. So Uh, They need to hear from both. Because no matter how many times they get preached at, more than they're listening, they're watching. What they observe is, do my parents believe what they say they believe? I tell you that, I've told you this before, but one of the things that impacted my life more than anything was when I was a kid, I'd, I'd get up for, you know, to go to the restroom or something in the middle of the night. My dad would be in the kitchen grabbing a snack because he was out ministering and he'd come home late. And I could hear him praying, or I could hear him singing to the Lord. And I knew that he didn't know I was there. He was just doing this for, for God. That affected me, that impacted me because it said to me, That's real. He's not a different person. That's real. He goes on and he says, He established a testimony, he appointed a law in Israel. Which he commanded our fathers that they should teach them to their children, that the generation to come might know, even the children yet to be born, that they may arise and tell them to their children. What are they going to tell their kids? That they should put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God. See, this is the goal of parents. The goal of parents, you can't make your kids serve Jesus, you can't make them be born again, you can't force them into that. If you force them into it, it's not real. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's not, it's not just a prayer that got you born again. It was believing with all your heart and confessing him as Lord. You had to really believe it. Yeah, I mean, we prayed a prayer, right? But if you didn't believe it, if you, if you didn't have to believe, parents would be getting saved. This is not just about words that we say. It's about belief in your heart. You can force a kid to say something. You can force a kid to act like a Christian, but that will only harden their heart. Now, I'm not saying you give them a choice. Listen, when I was nine years old, my, kid, my parents didn't say, if you want to come to church, you can come to church. I'm nine. They made me come to church, and I'm glad they did. I mean, there's a point in somebody's life where they got to make their own decisions. Parents now are like, well, he doesn't feel like coming to church. Well, yeah, of course they don't. They're kids. If I had my way, I'd play, I would have played Nintendo all day, every day. I mean, like, I'm... You don't give kids that kind of choice, you know? I mean, I was a kid. But uh, I was thankful that they told me to come. At the same time, you've got to train them that it's not just something we do because we have to do it. It's not just something we say because everyone else is saying it. These kids someday are going to rise and tell them to their children. They're going to tell their kids, put your confidence in God. Don't forget the works." Notice he doesn't just say, learn all your right Bible verse. He doesn't just say, show up at church. What's the real hope? That they would put their confidence. We want to raise kids that are so confident in God that they'll step out and do amazing things. That they'll step out and do extraordinary things. Because they believe. Because they have confidence in their God. And they haven't forgotten the works of God. Because where does your confidence come? Where does it come from? It comes from knowing what God has done. And he says this in verse 7 or verse 8. And not be like their father, (laughs) a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not prepare its heart or did not make its heart right and whose spirit was not faithful to God. See, in this chapter, we've seen a father that's not afraid to tell the story. In this chapter, we've seen a father that's not afraid to teach, a father that's not afraid to train, And here we see a father that's not afraid to tell their kids when they made some mistakes. Not afraid to tell them about when their grandparents made mistakes. Not afraid to tell them about the mistakes people made in the past. When you really believe that the blood of Jesus is that powerful and it's that strong, that the grace of God is that real, and yet the righteousness of God imparted to you by Jesus Christ, when you believe that that's powerful and it's strong, then you're not ashamed to tell the stories even when you did something. Because you say, that was then, that that was me, but that person has been crucified with Christ. Even when you did it as a believer, Jesus died for that person. The blood of Jesus covers that. Some people say, well, when the blood of Jesus covers it, should we never bring it up again? Well, Paul wasn't afraid to tell his story again. I'm sure Peter wasn't afraid to tell his story again. I've said this to you before, but some people talk like God doesn't, doesn't remember anything. And the Bible says, I will remember it no more, which means I'll never bring it up. I'll never bring it to your account again. I'll never bring it against you. But honestly, when we read these stories in the Bible, like I've said this before, do you think that God is up in heaven going, what? David did what? With who? No, he remembers it. He wrote it down. So you've made mistakes, but how would, you, how would you like your mistakes to be in the Bible? Paul told this story. Every time he got put on trial, he told this story. You think God is like, this is the first time hearing of this. No. God's not surprised. In fact, these things are for our instruction. But you have to understand that the righteousness of God has been imparted to you. So when you tell these stories, you don't have to feel the condemnation that's attached to it, because you're a different person. You're clean. You're made holy in Christ Jesus through the blood of Jesus. So when you look back on it, there doesn't have to be a bunch of guilt attached to it. You say, thank God I've been forgiven. Thank God I've been clean. Let me tell you why you don't want to go down that path. One of the things we're supposed to teach them is not only what God has done, but what we we did that we should have done differently. Tell them not to be like their fathers who were rebellious. Now, he's not talking about the dads that are telling the story. He's talking about the Israelites back in the wilderness. You know, my dad would tell me stories of when he made mistakes. He wasn't ashamed to tell me because he knew that I could learn one of two ways. I could learn by his mistakes or I could learn by mine. God knows I made enough of mine. I didn't need to borrow his. I was thankful he, he... He let me learn from his experience rather than me walking along the same path. Because really, we're not asking that our kids would start over the same place we start. We want them to go further. You know, the children of Israel wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. And they couldn't enter the promised land. Not that they didn't have the choice. They turned it down. They didn't believe God. And this is what... Asaph is talking about here. He's talking about the fathers that rebelled against God. They didn't believe God. But listen, when their kids came around, God said, your kids are gonna go into the promised land. The kids didn't have to go back to Egypt and start over again. Their kids had to go further. Joshua had to go further than Moses. And that's how he honored Moses. So it says, this generation was stubborn. They were rebellious. A generation that did not prepare its heart and his spirit was not faithful to God. So what are we trying to teach them? Not to be stubborn. Not to be rebellious. To prepare their heart. And You play a big role in preparing their heart. Now listen. Don't tune out if you don't have kids today. Because in the great family of God, we all play a role in proclaiming the works of God to the next generation. We all play a role You might say, well, I don't have kids of my own, and I really don't like kids at all. That's fine. But we play a part in this. You're going to play a part in this. This is the family of God. Then he says this. He says, whose spirit was not faithfully God. In verse 9, the sons of Ephraim were archers equipped with bows, yet they turned back in the day of battle. They did not keep the covenant of God, and they refused to walk in his law. They forgot his deeds and his miracles that he had shown them. The sons of Ephraim were men equipped with bow. They were talented, they were skilled, they were equipped. But in the day of battle, they... Talk about that for a minute. You give all your kids all the right equipment, the right education, the right tools, the right platform. You could put everything in their hands that they're equipped to be a success in life or to do everything that they're called to do. But if they don't remember what God has done, if you haven't imparted to them that, 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 that they should put their confidence in God, if, you, if they haven't been reminded of the works of God, then what'll happen? They'll have all the equipment, but in the day of hardship, in the day of battle, they'll turn back. See, somehow we think, if you have all the right education, if, you, if your kid had like three years of preschool, If you have all of these, you you pay for extra tutors and and you put them all the right sports and you do all these things that you'll set them up. But the biggest thing you can do is what we said earlier. Tell them, tell them the stories. Tell them what God has done, that they would put their confidence in God. Because these men of Ephraim had the best bows. They were skilled archers. On the practice field, I'm sure they hit the target every time. But the practice field is just the practice. In the day of battle, they ran. They turned back in the day of battle. How many times have you seen a kid that's been set up to be success? They've been equipped. Their parents paid for all the things they need. They took care of them. They were educated. They were smart. They were all of these things. And yet when things got difficult, they fell back. Not enough. Simply equip your kid with the right worldly equipment not just enough to educate It's not just enough to give them the opportunity. They have to have that confidence, that God. Because in the day of battle, no matter how much equipment they have, will they stand or will they turn? I don't want my son to be one of those guys that's got the nice bow, he's skilled, he can shoot it just perfectly. Yet when it matters, he can't do anything. I've seen people that had just a terrible childhood, little education, not, not a whole lot of natural skills. I've seen them succeed in life because they put great confidence in them. Now, I believe in education. I believe in giving your kids opportunity. Without that confidence, without that trust in the Lord, it'll all be for nothing. Because the day of battle will come for the kids. It'll come for all of us, won't it? There'll be a time where everything is tested. As Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, everything that's built will be tested by fire. Will it last? Depends on whether it was built on the right foundation with the right material. It says there'll be a group of people, a group of ministers, it seems, that on the day of judgment will stand before God, and it says all of their work was burned up. They themselves, it says, will be saved as though through fire, but everything may work for it. I don't want to be that. I don't want my son to be that. I don't want them just to spend all of our time building something that's going to fall over when the storm comes, right? House built on the sand. The house built on the sand looks the same as the house built on the rock until the storm comes. The house built on the sand is easier to build in 1 Corinthians 3, it talks about houses built with wood, hay, and stumble, stubble. Then it talks about houses built with stone and, and precious jewels and precious minerals. And it says there's a difference with gold and silver. There's a difference between these two houses. And you know what? The house that goes up with cheap materials goes up faster. It'll end up probably being bigger, but it won't matter when, it, when your kids are tested. It won't matter when we're t- Don't let your kid be that one that... Has the, the nice, fancy bow. Has all the, ha, has got private archery lessons. Yet in a day of battle, turns and runs away. Put their confidence. He says, I'm gonna tell you something that my father told me. Our fathers told us. We're to declare them to the next generation. And moms, you hear this too. Because it's, in this chapter it says fathers, but you see this same example throughout Scripture. I gave you the example earlier about Timothy. For all we know, Timothy's dad wasn't a follower of Jesus. Might, probably not even a Jew. Timothy's mom and his grandmother put something in him that led him to salvation. How are you setting your kids up? See, here in, in Lloyd, we put so much emphasis on the right school, so much emphasis on the right hockey program, all oh, that's great, but all of that doesn't matter in the day of battle. I mean, it matters, but it only matters if their confidence is in God. Your kid can be the kid with a fancy bow, but no confidence in God, they Thank God. You know, every day we get to see politicians that went to the best schools, got the best training, best opportunities, and yet when it's tested what they're made of, Do they crumble under the weight of popular opinion? Do they crumble under the weight of corporate pressure? Or do they stand true to what they believe? Now, I've talked to Chu and Kwong, and they've talked about how they're giving their kids the opportunity, you know, they're setting setting little Dana up so that someday if she wants to be prime minister, she can. Isn't that wonderful? You know, in the day, if Dana, if God leads Dana to be prime minister, it's not going to be Simply her education that's going to have gotten there or will keep her there. It's going to be what's instilled by the hand of God through men and women like you and me is her confidence in God. I pray today that that's what we leave with. Whether or not your kids are here, whether or not you have kids, we have family. Let's put it on ourselves. Let's, let's make this something that's important to us that each of us is gonna declare the works of God to the next generation. I don't care if they think you're a blowhard. I don't, think you, I don't care if they think you're full of hot air. I don't care if you have to buy Help, I'm Talking and I Can't Shut Up t-shirt. You buy that t-shirt. But we need you. We need you to pass on what God has passed on to you. There is a chain, there's a link that goes from generation to generation. And every year and every day, there's new people added into the family that, that weren't part of that chain before. Sometimes we think, well, wouldn't it be better if just the church just grew because of new converts all the time? And I I absolutely believe that. But I also believe that we should have faith and believe that that we're not going to lose this generation. We're not going to lose our kids. Children are our heritage. The legacy we leave far after we're gone. I don't want my kids to just be a legacy of Jonathan Bounds or Theo Bounds. I want my kids to have the legacy of Jesus. Christ. Amen. See, back in the day, and I'll close with this thought. Back in the day, we used to have tape duplicators. You guys remember that? Remember when you had to go get a tape at the end of the service if you liked the sermon, you had to go buy a tape. See, now you get a free podcast. You can just listen to it. It's nice. But we used to have you know cassette tape, and we duplicate the tapes, and we always kept the master tape. Because the more you made a copy of a copy, the worse the quality would get. You just kept copying copies. Pretty soon, it would just be terrible quality. So we always kept the master, and you always made a copy from the master. You never made a copy from another copy. You always made it from the master tape. Now, things are digital, so it doesn't lose quality when you, when you duplicate it. But back then, it was a copy of a master. You always had that master, big red marker, Master. And they would sit in the spot on the duplicator. And this is really the point in training the next generation and raising people up is my goal, your goal, is it that we make them copies of us or disciples of us. They gotta be a copy of Jesus just like we're a copy of Jesus. They gotta be a disciple of Jesus. When, when Jesus says, go in all the world and make disciples, there are people that have taken that and really turned it into disciples of me or disciples of you. But Jesus says, go into the world and make them disciples. Disciples of who? Of Jesus. Your parents, but your kids aren't clones of you. We want them to be followers and examples of Jesus Christ. And that way, the copy is not gonna deteriorate. It'll be just as strong throughout the generation. Amen? Stand up with me, let's pray.